everybody. This is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and those riddles of human nature. On this episode, we review the 1987 film Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Let's bring mom in now, or marm. You ready, marm? <laughs> I always love it. Part new nickname. <laughs> yeah. Part marm. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Mom, we got the tree up. I in saw. Our, in our house, we cannot, I, I can't hold them back. Once Thanksgiving has passed, okay, we can go get a tree. Yeah. We got the tree. Um, we put the lights on. The kids are aching to finish up the decorations, um, and we'll do that tonight. Uh, is your tree up? Uh, it is not. It's still in a very dusty box in the hallway. Oh, you do the fake one now. How long have you been doing that? A good, a good long time, I think. A couple years, at least. Yeah, and you remember. prefer that? You're happy with the fake tree lifestyle? I am. I am very happy with it. I have nightmares about Dad and possibly Matt sawing the ends off the tree to get it to fit in the Christmas tree stand <laughs> and failing. And then every year, Matt used to knock the tree over and... Now, we have a very nice, I think it's seven feet, and it just unfolds, and you have to, I'm sure we'll need to replace it sometime soon, because you do have to uh, wiggle the branches to make it look full, and, it, and it's already <laughs> lighted. It's already lighted. And, oh, that's nice. Yes. Yeah, okay. Let me tell you this, though. Every year... I always say the same thing, and then Dad always says the same thing. Oh, it would look, I say, oh, it would look so good with tinsel. And Dad says, garland. That's what he's all about, garland. Which I. Oh, but shiny garland? I guess, I don't know. We don't do either, so. That's our that's our compromise. <laughs> well, garland is less messy. Yes. If it's the it's still tinselly garland he's talking yes. about, right? It's not like yeah. It's not made out of coal. There's a house uh one block over from uh us, mom, that for some reason my friend Steve uh knows these people just by a weird coincidence. He and his brother, who you know I'm very good friends with, live up in Evanston and um they know these people who live on the next block from me here in Chicago who they're their house is decorated. It's this uh, old gay couple, and their house is decorated for Christmas year-round. I love walk it. in, and the first room is just, pow, it's Christmas. And that's how they like to live, and they have other—you can kind of see their house, the back, their backyard from the street, and at night they have this, like, light fountain um, that's, like, mesmerizing. Anyway, I would love to go inside that house, and sometimes I've said to Steve, like, hey, maybe we should—especially because it's around Christmas time. Yeah. Say, could we bring the kids over and— um, and have a look at that Christmas place. They probably don't want too many kids coming through there, though. My guess is not. I actually went to uh, urgent care yesterday having a small little glitch. And, of course, I have a new doctor who won't see me till March. So, oh, well, you're on <laughs> right. your own. Yeah. So You haven't done the meet and greet. Yet. So yeah. when I came out, I looked across the street, and this house is decorated just so 
perfectly different colored lights on the on a perfectly shaped tree and somehow they have managed to space out the lights perfectly which i know must be difficult but it was just the most charming little scene and it got me thinking about my neighborhood where i grew up and it was a very you know small street uh, so small that we didn't even know the people that lived on the other half. That's how exclusive we were. The bottom half where we lived knew everybody and knew what their decorations were going to be every year. Uh, the neighbors next door would put uh, colored lights around their outside door, festooned with fake holly leaves, very nice, candles in the house across the street. Uh, and then one neighbor had this sort of a like a poster sized lit up cabinet sort of but uh it it was apparently used by the bell telephone company at one time for which he was an employee and that was it very tasteful so needless to say there were no decorations on the morecambe household <laughs> but one year which is your household, we should make clear. Uh, my yeah. childhood household, yes. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So one year my mom decided that she was going to get in the spirit, and she purchased a red light bulb to put <laughs> in, <laughs> in our outdoor light. And I was just mesmerized i was so impressed and look at us we finally have christmas decorations i was so so happy and then my dad came home and of course a red light to an adult <laughs> means something entirely different and after making fun of my mother and the, uh, you know they later divorced just just so you know yeah <laughs> Not over this incident, but he was making fun. And so she finally went and changed the light bulb back. So for about two hours, we had decorations, oh Christmas decorations. Isn't that uh, a heartwarming story? You know, I already spent enough time uh, <laughs> trying to hold back tears watching the planes, trains, and automobiles this morning. And now the, the pathos is too... Uh, I feel like I need to put the air purifier on in here now. It's just too sad. Good God. The red light. Oh. Well, you can. Merry Christmas, Roxanne. <laughs> well, some families didn't have any lights, so. We... Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So you flash to today. Where, where homes have extravaganzas going on and, and blocking the street. And it's it sort of blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, we do it. Uh, we find I find people do it up more, uh, especially since COVID, right? Like the decorations definitely got amped up another notch in my neighborhood. Um, not that it was so gloomy before, but um, yeah, people definitely wanted to show the holiday spirit. Um, you know we what's big here? In. Oh, sorry. What? You know what's big here is those blow glow, blow. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I the forget what things the... with the fans in them. I don't. Yeah, the no, blow. No, 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 hard plastic glow. Oh. They're called blow molds. That's what they're called. Blow molds. So they would be like a hard plastic 
snowman or Santa and candles. With light bulbs inside them? They laid up, yeah. But I'm picturing something old-fashioned, like the Santa and Reindeer and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Is that what we're talking about, or is it something more modern? I've never heard of this. Well, if you Google blow mold, you'll see. Okay. And apparently they made them for Easter, too, but those are very hard to come by. Oh, yeah. This is the this is the old-fashioned plastic reindeer. Yeah. Okay. I thought you, you were talking about some hot new trend. No, but no, this no, is no, classic. no, 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 no. No, and you know what? I am seeing less of those blow-up air things than I used to. Oh, really? Yeah, we still have a lot of those around here. The kids love them. Oh, I do, too. I love all the Christmas decorations, but I do like the old ones best. So those things are called uh, blow molds. What a Christmassy name for them. (laughs) I know. Well, they probably came (laughs) from China or Japan, probably, and were... That's how they were blow mold injected, so I guess that the name stuck. Hey, Larry, we need 100 more blow molds. (laughs) Are you available to blow this Thursday? (laughs) Merry Christmas. I had a little uh, parenting boo-boo recently um, that I think is one of those inevitable moments, um, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, I'm driving the kids to um, not school, but the little day camp they go to sometimes when they're when school's out. Uh, this was at the beginning of Thanksgiving week. I'm coming down uh, David uh, Damon Avenue, and I'm looking to make a left turn. So I pull out into the left turn lane, and at that very moment, someone who's in the going straight lane decides, oh, after all, I think I want to make a left turn, you know? So they come out. Then someone decides to cross the street at that same point, not at a crosswalk, just in the middle of the, the street. The And it's like a pincer movement on me. Um, and it's just like, stop, go, stop. Nobody can tell what to do. Um, and I said the F word, uh, you know, not loud or angry, but I just said, fuck, because I was trying to process it all, completely forgetting um, that I had the two kids in the back seat. They said nothing, but um, it was the fact that they said nothing and that the car had been silent before and after that, that it just punctuated and hung in the air. And I navigated my way to the stoplight. Um and I said, that was such a rude word I just used. Uh, I sound so stupid saying that. I'm sorry, kids. And uh, Leo, um, our six-year-old, said, that's the F word, Daddy. <laughs> and so now I'm dealing with, like, first the, like, frenzy over the driving craziness on this little avenue here. Also the fact that I said the F word, and now the fact that Leo already knows what it is, which I guess I wasn't shocked by that. But, like, I want to know. Of course, he heard it from some kid in class. Where else would he get it? Yeah. His teacher wasn't feeding it to him. Yeah. Um, but um, is that inevitable? Or oh, yeah. was I a bad dad? No. No. Um, I think, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine me ever using that word in front of my mother. <laughs> But I have to tell you, the first time one of my children said it in front of me, here were the mixed emotions. Oh, my God, I can't believe that. What? Do they know? And then I sort of felt like, oh, they're comfortable enough around me to just talk like they usually talk. 
So, you know, it was like um, two emotions uh, together. Um, (laughs) I remember one time when I was a kindergartner, Leo's in first grade, so I don't know why I'm so shocked. But uh, when I was a kindergartner, um, I just remember one afternoon uh, playing in the lawn, playing, you know, like croquet golf, screwing around. And every time I uh, made a mistake, I just said, fuck and i had picked it up somewhere and i just was out there saying fuck 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 um i guess i understood that it was somewhat harsh but anyway at some point eventually you overheard me and i had to go to my room for the night um i even i insisted it wasn't a bad word and you made me go down and talk to dad about it so that he could uh, verify that it indeed was a bad word and yeah i had to go to my room so, so you, you want- weren't too pleased with the fact that I was just chit-chatting, uh, shooting the shit when I said it. <laughs> well, you know, you always have to, you, you do have to worry about what your children take to school. Um, really, you should worry yeah. more about what they're bringing home. But you do also worry uh, about what they're taking to school. And you don't want to be that family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you definitely knew who I had heard it from when I when I said it. I believe. I don't know if I should use his name. It was Mike O'Neill. Sorry, Mike. If I'm, you know, I hope he doesn't go into work the next day and he's fired because <laughs> Bob's a pop mom fan. No, but. he won't be. I'm sure. It's tough. It's tough. I know when I learned about sex on the playground, uh, there was a lot of misinformation uh, given to me yeah (laughs) and uh and uh i think my mother gave me a two sentence something i don't know it was absolutely useless um but but if you want to beat if you want to beat the playground you've got to start much earlier than you think yeah i'm gonna say that in reference to santa you know it might be over might be over this year should the right? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. But then I've they've had plenty of Santa dreams. <laughs> in well, my opinion, then you're supposed to give a talk on the what Christmas, what Santa really is, the spirit of Christmas, of giving, and yeah. So Santa was invented by Coca-Cola to sell soda pop. And uh, and polar bears, he... same thing. <laughs> polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> Ma, you said you had some questions about social media. I do have a question. I know you don't like Facebook, and I know we're all supposed to hate. <laughs> I don't like any of them. I know we're all supposed to hate Twitter now. Yeah. Um, so here's my question. This happened earlier this week. A woman put up a, a beautiful picture of uh, a counter full of different kinds of cookies, and she said, "I'm baking." Now, I don't know this woman. She's on the yard sale page. I'm baking cookies for Christmas. They're X number of dollars for a dozen. So, like, the second person that commented said, do you have a license? And I thought... Do you have a... Like a business license? Yes, a business license. To sell cookies? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I thought, really? What? You know... And I was so, you know, there is a certain part of the day where I'm very irritable. And yeah. 
So when you're I, on Facebook, not a coincidence. No, not just Facebook, because mostly that's my friends from high school and stuff. So I said to her, what do you care? Well, she... <laughs> oh, great. And it's she, the Facebook... There's a, almost every I week, know. it's a Facebook fight segment. No. Oh, okay. So I said, yeah, so fa- she comes this back This week's and Facebook s- fight. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it's a valid question. I said... <laughs> So I came back and I said to her, you have no intention of buying cookies. Why don't you just scroll by? Don't be a don't be a Facebook yeah. bully. So that's okay. what I said to her. Well, I got I got more likes on that than I've ever gotten on anything I've put on Facebook. Cause I hate this story. I love it. I love it. Because you know what? If you don't like it, scroll by. Don't piss on somebody yeah, else's well, what about you that's exactly you know it does remind me of um around thanksgiving time i was uh, on the page of this local pie shop and they were saying happy thanksgiving everybody and this old crank had to come in and say i hated that pie you served me oh wait that was you <laughs> not scrolling by and looking for a fight hey and every time you tell me one of these out of it <laughs> Well, I want to follow up on that in a second, but I have to say, every time you tell me one of these stories, I just picture Mark Zuckerberg leaning back with his wad of hundreds, just counting them, peeling back each one. How does that make money? You're adding to it. How does that add money to his wallet? Because he gets to turn around to all these companies who are saying, oh, we can't advertise on Twitter anymore. What are we going to do? And he says, people will spend hours on my website just fighting with each other over the stupidest <laughs> stuff. Uh, and you can show your ads while they're doing that. And they're those, you know. I don't have ads on oil mine. companies. and <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have any ads on your Facebook? I guess I'm oh, off yeah. the side. But listen to me. This is my real question. Not, not that you think I'm ridiculous. But my real question is, why, why do people... Say things like that. Like, here's a woman. Probably <laughs> you has... kill me. No, not my comment. You know, her comment. Why do people say stuff like that? Because there's a time of the day when they're irritable and they're looking on their Facebook and they're looking for a fight, just like you. Hey, I don't really even need a special time. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I know. Now, how was the pie? Last week, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, Mom uh, harangued the local pie maker. Maybe this was two weeks ago. I forget. But in any case, um, uh, on their Facebook page and said your pumpkin pie was terrible, which it was that part. It was very uh, sad. You were justified in your consumer complaint. And we decided that you ought to give them a chance to make it right since they reached out, not with a refund, but with another pie. How was the replacement pie? What kind of pie was it? How was it? Pumpkin to replace a pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. uh, and good. Yes, and it came, and it was very good, and I was pretty proud of the way they handled it because sometimes I see these business situations where people become aggressive, and I yeah. I do realize that you know maybe that wasn't nice, but I didn't say the pie was <laughs> ugly or tasted bad. I just said it was sad because it was sad. It had like yeah. a quarter people inch People thought, oh, a sad, delicious pie. That's that's what she means. And it was very delicious. It was a pumpkin maple pie. And so I'll tell you, it was the Blue Loon Bakery in New London, New Hampshire. 
And for, oh, in New London. Oh, for Blue us, Loon. Yeah, bakery. Okay. They do a lot of French L-O-O-N. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you want a shitty pie followed by a decent pie, <laughs> head to the Blue Loon Bakery. No, <clears throat> a real tip of the cap to Blue Loon in New London, New Hampshire. Thousands and thousands of our listeners must live in the New London, New Hampshire area. So get ready, Blue Loon, for the—they call it the uh, Pop Mom Impact. It's just—it's like an asteroid hitting your business with profits. So you're going to be flooded with Pop Mom customers soon. Blue Loon Bakery in New London. A great pie if you're lucky. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, okay. Mom, before we get into planes, trains, and automobiles, I um, I wanted to talk about this movie not just because it's Thanksgiving, but also I have uh, I had a little planes, trains, and automobiles moment myself. We were taking the kids to the uh, zoo lights here in Chicago, where they they just festoon the whole zoo with lights. Because you know, by winter we're tired of looking at the animals, so they say, "When yeah, you come yeah. at night, we'll light it all up," and they do. I, I read about it. It it was it looks very exciting. Looks it is. It's yeah. pretty. You'll see the pictures. Um, it almost looks better in the pictures, honestly, than it does in, oh. in person. But it's fun in person. And you know, it takes in the winter time. You got the kids in their puffy jackets. You got to take mm. them off and get the you know seventeen point harness in them and their car seats. And we get to the parking lot. I I park, get out, and I look on the roof rack and. Um, there's one glove clinging to the roof rack of the car. And now I have come down Lakeshore Drive, which is the um, the big highway on the east side of Chicago. You know, so I've gone like 50, 60 miles an hour. Um, this one glove held on. And Anna said, um, where do you think the other glove is? And I said, somewhere on Lakeshore Drive. Um, so as the car was a fire uh, in, in my rewatch of planes, trains, and automobiles this morning, I was thinking of my poor glove somewhere. That's and so the fact funny. that Neil never has gloves in the movies. Like it's a running thing that he does not have his gloves. So I did sympathize with. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of glad to hear that story because you know, when you're in a parking lot, you randomly see um, things, a lot of chapstick yeah. things, and you wonder, how did that get here? How did that get here? Because the one thing, when I go to Manchester, the one thing I see all the time in the parking lot is teeth flossers. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, Ben Folds, uh, the musician, um, has like a running uh, gag on his social media where he uh, photographs the um, little flossers that he finds and he does find them all over the place. I only know that because I interviewed him when I was back at the AV Club and I um, brought that up as part of the... Remember I used to do that pick yeah. a choice game yeah. show thing and I brought that up as part of his uh, gimmickry and um, he seemed very pleased that we got a chance to talk. What are they called? Floss and toss. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ma, you took the words right out of my mouth, because after that, I was like, oh, now when I see one glove on the side of the road, I understand a little yes. better how that Yes, <laughs> it probably, you know, one time I took Maddie out um, school shopping, and on the way home, there was a perfectly good shoe sitting in the 
in the middle of the highway. And I said, my sister was with me, and I said, boy, I bet that shoe has a story. And now I think probably it doesn't. <laughs> I think the story a lot of the time is somebody put it on the roof of the car <laughs> and then forgot about it. Why do I ever put anything on the roof of a car? I've lost more Starbucks that way, too. Um <laughs> Anyway, just never put anything right, there. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, uh, that's the automobiles. Uh, let's cover the planes and trains here. Uh, you ready, Ma? I'm ready. Directed by John Hughes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles has become a beloved American holiday film full of comedy, humanity, and profanity. It stars Steve Martin and John Candy as a marketing executive and a traveling shower ring salesman who cannot escape each other as they face one travel disaster after another in the days leading up to Thanksgiving. Steve Martin's character, Neil, simply wants to get home to his family and away from Dell played by John Candy, but he can't manage to do either. Here's a clip. I sell shower curtain rings. Best in the world. And you are? Uh, Neil Page. Neil Page. Pleased to meet you, Neil Page. So what do you do for a living, Neil Page? Marketing. Marketing. Super. Super. Fabulous. Isn't that nice? Uh... Look, I don't want to be rude, but uh, I'm not much of a conversationalist, and I'd really like to finish this article. A friend of mine wrote it, so... Don't let me stand in your way. Please don't let me stand in your way. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. <laughs> you know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowderhead who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. You catch me running off of the mouth, just give me a poke in the chops. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is available on Amazon Prime and Paramount Plus and a bunch of other places. Check your local listings. You know how to watch this movie. It's all over the place. Mom, is this movie just the ticket or do you have reservations? <laughs> this movie is so delightful. And and interestingly enough, uh, Dad and I watched it together last night. Uh, we've oh, seen it many, many times and it never disappoints and it didn't disappoint last night putting john candy and steve martin together is so perfect because even when steve martin isn't acting he looks very crisp <laughs> and yeah and john candy always just looks like a an unkempt the man you don't want to sit next to on the plane i mean he's he's just perfect perfect for this part and together they are they are just perfection. They play off each other really well. It's uh, it's a buddy movie with two people who are never really buddies um, until the very end, it seems. Although there are glimmers from the beginning. And I hadn't seen it in a while. I have seen it a bunch of times like you. But I really appreciated um, the small character moments that make the friendship make sense in the end. Um, and one that I noticed is um, Neil, Steve Martin's character, he's... In the shower, they've gotten to the motel. Dell has been kind enough to share his motel room, which they soon discover has only one bed in it. There's just a quick shot of him in the shower. He notices the shower rings, which uh, John Candy's character sold to this motel. That's how he was able to get in with the manager. Steve Martin just takes a look at the shower rings thinks about Dell for a second and smiles. Now, they have a huge fight that night, and they annoy the hell out of each other, especially John Candy irritating the bejesus out of 
Steve Martin, but they it's really shrewd editing and um, directing, I think, to, from the beginning of their mishap-filled journey, have these little moments that show actually they like each other. I was really thinking about that as I um, watched Steve Martin dress down John Candy, who's gotten on his very last nerve, and then they get back in bed together, and I know at the end of the movie they are so bonded. Um, their friendship is better for having, you know, when John Candy gives it back and calls Steve Martin cold and cynical and heartless, essentially, um, their friendship is better for having been out with that and being human with each other. They went through some shit. They voiced some shit. Um, and it's almost like their friendship ended up stronger for that and other yeah. um, conflicts that they had throughout yeah. the trip. It's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you to have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. Ah, 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 ah. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me, because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. I have to say, I thought the friendship was not an equal footing friendship. I did feel like Steve Martin is the dad and John Candy is perhaps the, the little boy or the one that needs taking care of. Although he does teach Steve Martin that, you know, there's, there's always a bright side. I'm so sorry to look on. I'm sorry. They what? What do you think? Which scene are you thinking car, of? The car when they're on the oh my, the car catching on fire. <laughs> oh, and they've gone the wrong way. That's like a nightmare to me. That sequence. It's hilarious, but it also is like oh. a nightmare. While well, mom collects her, herself. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, remind viewers that there's a sequence. Um, near the end of Act 2, where they're like 100 miles from Chicago at this point, getting close. Um, uh, but John uh, Candy struggles to get his coat off and gets turned around the wrong way on the interstate. And um, the lead-up to it is so perfect. Um, they end up being squeezed between two tractor trailers going the other way, and then the car catches on fire while they're having a quiet moment on the side of the road. I, it's a long, what struck me, Mom, was that's a long sequence. Like, that's is a, it, we spent a long time from John Candy starting to fidget with his jacket to the car catching on fire, but, like, it is gripping and tense and hilarious the whole way through. And John Candy, to get back to your point, sorry, you know, John Candy's so wounded and scared in that moment because he's gotten them almost killed um and he knows Dell is going to be furious with him and his ch you know forced chipper kind of right, midwest right. aw shucks affect is especially <clears throat> funny at that moment 
as it can be, you know, because with a friendship, sometimes when you're in a in a huff, you want the other person to be in a huff with you. But John Candy is sort of Mary Sunshine. And, you know, oh, this is fine. This is, you know, we're OK. And uh, th- this movie does not disappoint. It's funny because at the beginning, when uh, the first credits came up, I thought, Amity will recommend this as a as a nice family movie. <laughs> of course, forgetting <laughs> forgetting one scene uh, in particular that we just sort of t- t- touched on, but also it it said that there was nudity in it or sex or uh, something. What was that? So the the profanity scene is when he um, chews out the rental uh, car lady. Steve Martin chews her out. Um, the nudity is only. Do you remember this? There's photos tacked up in the taxi cab that they take in Wichita. And there you see for about a second and a half these little pinup uh, photos oh. uh, with bare-chested ladies on them. So that is the uh, shocking nudity that is on display okay. in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But I had to um, – I was sent out of the room after Steve Martin um, – <laughs> finds that the part his parking space is empty where his rental car is supposed to be at that moment when i was a kid i was sent out of the room for three minutes a fucking datsun a fucking toyota a fucking mustang a fucking buick four fucking wheels and a seat i really don't care for the way you're speaking to me and i really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there and I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. So I, uh, my um, first viewing of the film was boldlerized, censored I can't by believe you. that. I can't believe I gave a rat's ass about that. You had you did. You had two older brothers whose language I'm sure could peel the paint off walls, and that's what I was worried about. Good lord! Well, like you said earlier, when we were on the topic, you also think of what your kids are bringing to school, so you don't want to normalize. Um, you know, also Steve Martin is being a total asshole. You know, this this woman who's yeah, she's sort of sing songy and obnoxious, Edie McClurg in a great moment, um, but like she is there to help him, and it's not her fault that the parking space was empty, right? And she does get the last word um, by telling him, you're fucked, which is a nice little coda to it, but you don't want a kid to think it's normal uh, to, I don't know. I I understand it, to behave as crassly. It's not like I was going to hear the word fuck for the first time, but to hear it 17 times in 30 (laughs) seconds is something else. I do want to push back a little bit on your idea of Neil, I guess not push back, but maybe complimented. This idea that Neil is sort of the parent and Dell is the kid who he has to drag along. And Dell certainly has some pathetic moments. I think um, an iconic shot is the one of him dragging his trunk across the field after the train that they're on <laughs> breaks down and they 
this farmer's plowed muddy field he has to drag this totally impractical huge trunk that he travels with and you know it's a pretty straight up symbolism he needs that other person to carry help carry his load um, literally and metaphorically and Neil indeed does you know take a deep breath and heave his shoulders and go across the field and and uh, reunite with ne- uh, with Dell as he does so many times that said Neil would not get home to his family if it weren't for Dell he does not really know how to navigate America in the way that Dell this nomad this itinerant salesman without um, a home now knows. And he says, Dell says a few times, I go with the flow. And he knows how to do that. He knows how to talk to the hotel manager. He feeds them when they're in the bus station by um, hustling some shower rings as all, you know, as earrings, as whatever it will take to get a few bucks for them to buy a meal. Um, he takes care of Neil as well. And I think that's why there's this pivotal moment um in when they're sitting down for that meal that I just mentioned, that they're buying with the money that salesman Dell scraped together. And um, Neil starts to say, you know, when we put our heads together and Dell just lights up. And then Neil says, you know, we get nowhere. And it's such a striking line to me because he's wrong. Like without yeah. Dell, he would have got nowhere. He would still be in Wichita. Um and Dell, yeah, without Neil, is uh, incomplete, a wounded soul who is dragging this slowly dying. You know, to me, the image of the trunk is slowly dying, carrying too much of a burden himself and just slowing down um, without Neil to help carry him. So I think it is truly, you know, Neil's the bigger adult. He's got the stable job. He's got the family. He's good at staying. And Dell is good at moving, at yeah. traveling, at navigating <clears throat> the waters. So that's the two of them point. together really makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's an absolutely great point. The the street smarts, mm-hmm. you know, and the traditional. That's that's really interesting. Very insightful. <laughs> Thanks. So staying and moving, I think, are the two. Stability and agility uh, are almost what they, not that you would call John Candy agile, but he does move about the country when they have no other um, prospects. The side story to that was very, uh, I don't even know if it was necessary. I guess it was because he had to come home to a family. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was pretty Meh. Oh, really? I did. What? I thought, well, his calling his oh, wife oh. and what is... Uh, I agree, I, I, actually. Yeah. I, well, the wife is a total... I mean, she spends most of her time just looking sad. Yeah. And, you know, there was... Uh, I'm glad you said that, actually. There was more of a subplot there where um, Steve Martin's wife thought that he was, like, with another woman. Um, and so that's why I think she has so little dialogue in the final cut, because that entire side plot was cut and we only see his wife. And it makes a little bit of sense because his wife seems unreasonably distraught and sad by the fact that he's been delayed for Thanksgiving. Like, OK, it's a special day and everybody's dressed up, but also like she seems really wrecked by the end of the yeah, movie. Which I um, never there's, understood. I couldn't, where, yeah. what was she pulling from for that? 
I'm glad you said that, though, because I want to mention this YouTube video I watched this week um, and encourage people to check it out. And you too, Mom. Um, it's called The Lost and Found Version of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And the channel is Hats Off Entertainment on YouTube. I really encourage you to check out this 13-minute video that looks at a lot of the deleted scenes. He shot hours of extra footage. Uh, the original cut of the movie, I think, was three and a half hours, and it is one and a half in its final um, cut. But um, it shows you a lot of this material, and it's a really, um, I really appreciate this YouTuber, Hats Off Entertainment, who um, breaks down some of the stuff that was edited out and shows you how much better the movie is for it and shows you how some of the crucial uh, rhythmic beats were not in the script and came in the edit, um, you will have an even deeper appreciation for the craftsmanship of the movie after watching this entertaining, um, you know, 13-minute video. Lost and found version of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Hats Off Entertainment, and there's a new uh, Blu-ray out with the... Um, with a lot of these deleted scenes oh. on it, so you can see the actual footage. I always like to wait till the very end of the movie to see if there's a little prize, you know. <laughs> after the credits. After the credits, yeah. and there was one on this, so I'll just say that. Don't turn it off too soon. Good call. Good call. Watch till the end. Excuse me. Mom, I'm so delighted we did this. I'm so happy I came across uh, this YouTube video and it inspired us to rewatch this movie, which I hadn't seen in some time, and I have a richer uh, appreciation for having lived a little more life. What grade, though? The only thing that is important is what you thought. What grade do you give to planes, trains, and automobiles, Mom? I would have to give this an A++. A++. Oh, we got to break out the clangs and whoops for that. Clangs and whoops. Not, clangs and whoops. Not, not a family... Uh, movie for everyone but it definitely is a family movie for if you have kids over 12 i think they're 12 is exactly what i was gonna say yes i agree uh all right do you have a recommendation this week Mom? well i have a rather odd one this week i'm feeling a little christmassy and uh i'm not a big hallmark movie fan but there is a show that i like to rewatch. And that is a Mickey Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little embarrassed. Why did you hesitate? Well, I, don't be embarrassed. It's you know, it's a cartoon, and I think it, I think it shows the whole meaning of Christmas in a Christmas Carol's way, but in a way that it's entertaining for children and. Um, who doesn't like Mickey? I think, now I haven't seen this in a long time, oh. but um, going on my memory of it, this is a pretty sophisticated, I remember being, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I remember it being scary sometimes and serious yes. sometimes uh, yes. as a kid watching it. Um, it doesn't shave all the rough corners off the uh, spookiness story. of right. the Christmas Carol story. Right. That's a, I, and you make me want to check it out again, Ma, because I did used to watch that as a kid. Um, it has Scrooge as Scrooge, right? Perfectly. I mean, why wouldn't you? But Scrooge McDuck plays Scrooge, right? It's one. It's quite wonderful. It really is. Um, and I think, I don't know if your kids would like it. I know one of your children would probably like it. Which one, Eve? Because mm -hmm. of the ghosts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, right. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, it's called, right? Yes. Do you know? Is it on Disney Plus? I don't know. Oh, it's time for a Pop Mom instant research moment. We haven't done this in a while. Let me look it up. Okay, yes, the instant research moment has confirmed that uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol is available on Disney+. Plus. 26 minutes? Well, I didn't remember it being that short. Well, everything seems longer as a kid. True. That'll do it for this edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back soon to talk about more. Um, what should we talk about? Oh, what? Mm. I have down here something interesting, so let's do something that. interesting. Oh, you came prepared. Okay, let me write that down. Something <laughs> interesting. Okay, I've got it. Hey, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends, and we love to get email. It's popmom at ological.net. Talk to us about anything. Oh, somebody asked about the Chex Mix. Oh, we can't forget. I promised. You ready with that recipe? No, I forgot all about it. I have to go get Go get the book. We can't deprive the listeners. I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, Mom went to get the book, so we are ready. Uh, Ma, by the way, I have somehow not even finished the Chex Mix that you sent me. Aren't you proud of me? I still have a little bit left of my Chex Mix that you sent me. This year, it is excellent. Oh, <laughs> Proportion of peanuts and pretzels, perfect. Um, the amount of Worcestershire sauce in the mix, mm, exquisite. Mom, give the people what they want. We have had multiple emails asking for you to uh, review your Chex Mix recipe. Mistake-free this time, please. Okay. Don't forget the butter. No, no. Uh, turn your oven on to 250 in a large baking pan. I use the one that I cook the turkey in because I make two batches at once. So here is a single batch. Oh, uh, what does that mean? Oh, because it's big enough to me? Yes. You... Okay. Yes. Okay. Because you, you would like to spread it out as much as you can. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. You could use a cookie sheet, too. Okay. Okay. So it's... I will. So in a pan, you mix one stick of butter two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, one and a half teaspoons of seasoned salt. That's like Lawry's, L-A-W-R-Y. Uh, mm. Three quarters teaspoon garlic powder, one half teaspoon onion powder. That's powder, not salt. That's what you put in the little saucepan and melt together and stir together. And in your cooking, in the roasting pan, put three cups of corn checks, three cups of rice checks, three cups wheat checks, one cup of broken pretzels. Uh, the thin ones are the best. The thin butter yeah. pretzels are the best. And one cup of red skin potatoes, potatoes. <laughs> yum oh that's gonna be a starchy checks mix this year yum peanuts i can't even read okay spanish peanuts they will sometimes be called yes. in the supermarket too sometimes red skin spanish peanuts just covering all their bases and and if you're just regular peanuts will work just fine yeah yeah but those red skin ones i know i don't know what it is so you <sighs> After everything is melted in your saucepan, pour it over your Chex Mix mixture and give it a zhuzh in the pan. 
and put it in the oven for 15 minutes. The total cooking time is one hour. So every 15 minutes, take it out of the oven, give it a stir and stick it back in the oven. Now, this is what I think is the most crucial part. Crucial. Open a brown paper bag. <laughs> Sorry. Were you just interrupted by a cat? Yes. With that thud one. Yes. So sorry. Um, open a brown paper bag and lay it on your counter. And when the hour is up, take your Chex Mix out and spread it all over the brown paper bag. Let it sit there till it cools. And then let it sit overnight in your container. It's really much, much better if you let it sit for a day. And that's it. That's the truth. Although it is nice to eat it warm, it's not as good. It needs some time to ferment. It gets crunchier, and I don't know, everything kind of soaks in. It's very, very tasty. Um, so. Oh, man, I want to run home and get that <laughs> Ziploc bag right now and eat the rest of it. Oh, my mouth is watering. All right, there's your Chex Mix recipe. Thanks for asking, everybody. Uh, boy, I'm glad I remembered that. They would have been after me as an irresponsible podcast host. Uh, where was I? Talk to us about anything, including Chex Mix. Yes. All right. We love you, everybody. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. I love you, too. Bye.